0: Every week, the Orange Fizz team breaks down the five most pressing questions about Syracuse athletics. Holy cow, what a big time defensive play. No holds barred. I paid the fool. It's the Fizz 5. Five. 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 Five.
1: Well, it's cold here in central New York. We've reached that part of the year where you don't really want to be outside. You want to be doing something indoors and, well, Good thing Syracuse plays in a dome. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Fitz 5 alongside Tyler Aitken. I'm Francesco Simone. And Tyler, a lot of basketball going on on the men's side and especially on the women's side too.
0: This woman's basketball team, I mean, we'll talk about it, but real, real cardiac Cuse-esque. Playing a lot like the men's team has for the past few years with some nice big comebacks. But uh, man, the community is really rallying around this team and nobody deserves it more than FLJ.
1: Well, we'll start with the men's side. Syracuse took down Pittsburgh on Tuesday, and that's topic number one. Number one. Boy, give this team credit, Tyler, because after Saturday, a lot of people around here, including myself, thought they were dead in the water, right? A 36-point loss to North Carolina, the worst ever ACC loss Syracuse has had. To come back and you know beat a Pitt team who, you know, isn't very good, but is still a conference foe, is still kind of you know, comparable talent-wise to you. On the road by 11 in a game you pretty much dominated the whole way, it's impressive.
0: It is a little bit. I'd say it's always impressive to beat a conference team on the road, so that's number one. And point number two, finding a win when Judah Mintz is having a pretty bad day, mm-hmm. that's impressive. However, how often is this team going to go 10 for 17 on threes? probably once again this season. So, like there's let's let's say Syracuse shoots its season average of 33% on mm-hmm. threes in this game. Yeah. And shoots the same amount of shots, the final score would be 58-57 Pittsburgh. Now, yeah. I understand that's a huge what if. I'm just saying unless Syracuse all of a sudden becomes a better three-point shooting team, you're not going to see many results like this.
1: It's actually kind of funny because in the two games against Pitt, right, Syracuse wins both of them. But in the first one, Pitt goes 50% on free throws. And in the second one, Syracuse goes 59% on threes. So kind of wacky, kind of weird. It could have very easily gone the other way. You're right, Tyler. But the way it went both times was, you know, Syracuse beat a Pitt team that, if you look at the ACC standings down the line, you've kind of put them away, right? Because now you have a two-game lead on Pittsburgh. So you can kind of, you know, put them into the category of, we expect to now finish ahead of them, which, you know, in a conference like this, when you're trying to get that, you know, 7, 6, maybe 5 seed,
0: that's important. And there are some other uh, some other positives. I guess I I came off a little too strong there, but Syracuse loses Naheem McLeod, needs somebody to step up rebounding-wise. Judah Mintz, career-high nine, nine boards. Rebounds. How yep. about it?
1: Yep, yep, eight on the defensive end. And, you know, it's going to take... This coaching staff has talked about it really for a couple of years now. It's going to take everybody to rebound the basketball. It's a five-man effort because, you know, when was the last time, Tyler, Syracuse said. A center a forward that you could say, All right, he's gonna get ten rebounds a game, don't have to worry about it. All good, keep going, we're gonna dominate the glass. It's been a while, right?
0: And Jesse Edwards. Well but even year. but
1: even him though, like when they had Jesse, yeah, he'd get his eight per game. But still as a team, consistently, part of that was playing the zone, right? But consistently they would get beat rebounding. They would yeah. be towards the bottom of the conference.
0: You'd have to go back to when Syracuse was playing Rick Jackson and Orinze Onuwaku next to each other down low. Which was
1: 15 years ago.
0: Yes, exactly.
1: So, Oh, my God, we are old. I know. So having that team rebounding mentality is going to be important for Syracuse down the stretch. And, you know, Chris Bell still had his zero, right? J.J. Starling from the other guard spot got three. Malik Brown, Justin Taylor, they got five. That's fine. Benny Williams, hey, he got five rebounds himself. When you've got that combined effort, that's when you can be at least efficient enough on the glass to maybe not dominate a team there, but be close enough where other parts of your game can shine and you don't lose the game rebounding.
0: And and we'll get into it later, but that's especially the case when Syracuse might not be running a traditional center in mm. quite a few lineups. Right. Malik Brown, obviously starting at center, he can't play 40 minutes a game. And Syracuse kind of tried to run some different stuff. Benny Williams yeah. got a few minutes down yeah. low. We'll wait till later to get too far into that. But general reactions mm-hmm. were: Did you like it? It's Jim
1: Bayheim had a quote a few years ago. I don't remember who it was about, but he said he was asked a question about why somebody was playing, and the answer he gave was: We was because by rule we have to have five on the court, right? <laughs> That's kind of what it feels like with this backup center spot right now, whether it's Peter Carey, whether it's Manir Hima, whether it's Benny Williams playing the five. So, yes, we'll get into that a little bit later, but it is very much a mess, and you know, as much as Nahima Cloud wasn't great at the start of this season, the fact that you lost him, now you don't have a backup center period. So it is certainly an issue for Syracuse going forward, but I want to focus on J.J. Starling going back to this pit game because he has a couple of these every now and then, right, where he's so efficient... He gets to the basket, he scores around the rim, 7 of 11 from the field, 17 points, picks up three rebounds, no assists, but hey, he can't have everything in life, right? If he could do this on a consistent basis, this team becomes a completely different animal.
0: No, that, that's absolutely correct, and that's where, in the back of some Syracuse fans' mind, I'm sure, they're like, well, what about Chance Westry? Yeah. And I'm not too much on that boat. I mean how he's many He's not I don't
1: think he's coming back this. I think that's a pipe dream for this
0: year. And how many minutes has he really played in his college career? I, he got I mean he played like 10 games last year, got hurt and hasn't played since. Exactly. So he I the I would much rather bank on JJ Starling becoming more consistent than any any other option whether that be Chance Westry coming back or whether that be I don't know, Justin Taylor moving to the two, Uh, which I I know we've had some colleagues advocate (laughs) for that. But, yeah, I mean, J.J. Starling, I just wish he could shoot. I I remember watching him when he was younger, and he really could. And I don't want to speculate too much on what happened to his jump shot, but it's it's just sad that he doesn't have the same shooting stroke as he used to.
1: Yeah, it's weird. You talk about other options at the two. J.J. Starling now for a second season is averaging double figures in the ACC. Syracuse does not have another option with that kind of pedigree, right? He was a former Correct. five-star recruit. So, as maybe you know, maybe you hope that JJ would be putting up 15 a game instead of 11 or 12, sure, right? But you look at Justin Taylor, you look at Quidditch Copeland. I mean, pick anybody else off this roster, right? Kyle Cuff. They're not gonna give you the upside that JJ has. They're not gonna give. You, they're not even gonna give you the consistency that JJ has. So, so
0: here, here's the question: because there was a few weeks stretch where Mr. Copeland was. Mm-hmm. You know the man on campus. Sure. At the end of games, who would you rather see at the two? Are you on the JJ Starling side of things?
1: Oh, I think they should both be on the court.
0: Okay. So, so then... I think
1: I think at the end of games right now the lineup is Mince, Starling, Copeland, Bell, Brown.
0: I just with Bell not rebounding and that's such but a but big... Copeland can is the thing. Yeah. Copeland
1: kind of plays a de facto four.
0: It's a positionless lineup. I mean that's very true. Uh, Syracuse is just gonna in in ends of games this year. Syracuse is gonna be a very pick your poison type of team where you can't have everything. You have to pick having a competent offense out there or having size out there to play defense. But that group's not gonna do much on right. offense.
1: Right. I mean you're not gonna have very many moments this year where you have a player on the court who's over six foot eight. Because yeah. Malik Brown's not coming off very often. You're not playing Peter Carey and Munir Hima a whole lot. Thank goodness. So right. So for the most part, you're gonna have to deal with the smaller lineup, and you know if Justin Taylor's not scoring, yeah, Chris Pell isn't gonna get a whole lot of rebounds. He's not gonna play great defense, but you can have Copeland do that. He needs somebody who can shoot.
0: No, you're absolutely right, and overall, a good win for Syracuse. I'm just not convinced it's gonna mean all that much with how bad Pitt's become. I mean, a few weeks True. ago, we thought Pitt was a solid ACC team middle right. of the road, and obviously they've had a really tough ACC schedule, but one and five is pretty ugly. So is. Syracuse is going to have to pick up some other wins because a sweep over Pitt probably doesn't mean as much as we thought. That was a, that was a
1: quad one win for about What, six hours? Then the new Nets came out, and all of a sudden it was quad Oregon
0: moved back to quad one. We'll see how that goes. Lost
1: last night, though, so they're probably right back down.
0: It's a whole—the quad
1: system is pretty stupid, in my opinion, but it's what we got, and we go with it.
0: It, Yeah, I I agree. It's—the fact that people make decisions in March based off— like, you're telling me the 74th team on the road is worth just as much as a 25th team—
1: At home. It's worth just as much, and God forbid that 74th team drops down to 76, then it's it's worthless. Yes, correct. It's meaningless, completely meaningless. All right, well, that's the Pittsburgh game. Syracuse beat Pitt 69-58, season sweep of the Panthers. You always love to see that as a Syracuse fan. And now let's get into that whole backup center conversation, which is certainly an interesting one, and it's also topic number two.
0: Number two.
1: So after the Pitt game, Adrian Autry announced that Naheem McLeod out for the season, had foot surgery, not going to play again this year. So that leaves Munir Hima, Peter Carey Tyler, and I suppose Benny Williams at Syracuse's backup centers right now.
0: If you told me when he was suspended at the start of the season that Benny Williams would be be getting run at center, oh my goodness, I wouldn't believe you.
1: You know what? The way this season has gone, you know, I buy it. Why not, right?
0: Yeah. Because there's just kind of this tantalizing thing where it's like it's not going to be good. Like, No. The backup center is not going to be good, so why not have someone out there that has a bit of a jump shot, can handle the ball? And actually is willing to, you know,
1: be physical
0: and actually, you know,
1: score a little bit, right?
0: Peter carries a twig. Munir Hima moves maybe even slower than Naheem McLeod. I think Munir,
1: I think there's just something wrong with him. Just physically, I mean, like I, I just think he physically can't do it. Yeah, like, maybe. I, I think he's actually injured. Like, what else could be the? He's he he was explosive last year. He was athletic. He was blocking shots, and this season he looks like he looks like Barama Sadibe post ten knee surgeries.
0: Oh. Uh, yeah. I mean, like, I mean, I'm not trying to make fun of the guy. I'm no, really you're not, right. It's just it's it's unfortunate to see. Kerry and Hema shouldn't really touch the floor. Malik Brown's gonna have to go out, and it's like that's the thing. M- Benny Williams doesn't play good interior defense, but neither does Carey. Neither does no. Hema. So you might as well have someone who's provides something on offense. I mean, did you see the shot that Hema took against North Carolina? He missed it by two feet. Uh, he missed for- it. He missed by two feet from eight feet away. That's correct. So I- I'm all for it. You know, you might as well just try something new, get a, a chance to compete on offense. What, what do you have to lose?
1: Nothing. I mean, what do you have to lose? Size, I suppose. But even Benny Williams is six nine, right? I mean, yes, he's a little bit smaller than both Carey and Hema, but if you if you include you know, the height at which they can jump, Benny Williams clears them by six inches,
0: probably, I mean, right? Benny Williams is about the size as Marek Dolajai, yeah. maybe even a little heavier. Pro- he probably he's listed is. at two ten. Dolajai was listed like one ninety during during his heyday. So,
1: it really is amazing that people still yearn for Marek Dolzai.
0: Oh my goodness, he was amazing. I mean, that's the thing when people talk about like, oh, Malik Brown can't handle the center of the zone. It's like he really has no excuse. Marek because Dolezal Marek Dolzai yeah. was not on a tournament there, on a tournament team he did it. Yeah. But he did it. Yeah. I he would have been a much better fit. Of, I mean, if Marek Dologai plays 4 years as a forward in Jim Beheim's system, yeah. there's a chance he's in the league. But that's neither here nor there. Interesting take. Uh, I he's mean, in A league now. What is he in Slovakia? Uh, he's in Slovenia. A-League. One of those. You're you're not gonna catch me saying a negative thing about Morakno. No, ever, but absolutely. not. your Malik Brown is my Morakno. I do love Malik Brown. I true. don't love the comparison though. I remember. No, they're I, different players. After the Kinesius game at the start of the season, Coach Autry compared to the two, and it's I don't like, really see it. No, I mean, yeah, they're both like undersized bigs that, like, play hard. Hmm. But Marek is, like, this pass-first guy, point-forward type of could player. Could shoot a
1: little better than Malik can, too.
0: Malik's more of, like, an interior guy, much more efficient. Yeah. So just two different players, but two players that, you know, we both love. How, I, overall, so we're talking about the backup center. How do you assess Malik Brown and what he's done as the starting center?
1: I mean, I think he's given you everything you could have possibly asked for. Right now, the, the last couple of games have been slightly – Tough-ish, but not even really because of his own fault. So he scores two points against Pittsburgh. Had a little bit of foul trouble, too. So that played part of the reason why he didn't get over 30 minutes, only 26. He only took one shot. Against Carolina, only took six shots. And before that, he had a stretch of five games where he was in double figures in a row. So I think Malik has done a really, really nice job. Um, You know, again, he's limited in what he can do. But, yeah. with,
0: but within his limits, he's a very good player. He's never going to be a guy that creates his own shot. No. What I will say is he's gotten a little stagnant on offense recently. I would love to see more backdoor cuts and more off-ball sure. movement to get open. And that's not creating your own shot, but it's helping others make shots for you. The issue is he's so tired because of his defense. Mm. I think that makes him stand pretty, stand pretty still on offense.
1: He's offensively, he's a guy there to catch lobs. I mean, he is... You know, he's not gonna—he's not gonna post anybody up. Even the backdoor cuts, like yeah, he can run those. But you know, Judah and JJ got to get him the ball, right? It's not as simple as you know, give the ball to Malik on the low block and let him go to work. He's not gonna do that. So no. I don't need him to do that either necessarily. I'd rather he focus on the defense because that's where he provides the most value and you know, rebound the basketball. But sure, right? Do you want him back in the double figures? That'd be great, right? But again, I don't think that's necessarily on him more so of a backcourt discussion.
0: It'll be interesting moving forward because he still does have some matchups against really good bigs. He does. I mean, you look to tomorrow, Norchad Omir just put up 15 points and 15 boards he's against ridiculous. Florida State. That's going to be a tough matchup for Malik.
1: It is, and, and the funny thing about Omir is he's Malik but heavier. He's 6'7", about 240, and Malik is 6'8", 220. So kind of similar-ish players, but just, you know, Nordchad O'Mir's O'Meara's a grown man, and Malik Brown's a 19-year-old sophomore, right? Um, it's it's certainly going to be quite the matchup because Malik's more athletic, but Omir's just so tough, so physical, so strong down low. I don't love it from Malik's standpoint, but maybe he no. can use the quickness to his advantage, especially on that offensive end. Certainly, in my opinion, I can't give a prediction necessarily, Tyler, as we'll get into a little bit later on, but in my opinion, that's where the game's going to be won and lost tomorrow.
0: I absolutely give a quick shout out to the most exciting matchup for me this season for Malik Brown, DJ Burns from North Carolina that's State. Be, that's gonna be Oh boy, that's gonna be fun.
1: Talk about the, talk about the number ten with those two.
0: Oh yeah. <laughs> a lot of talk about that.
1: Yeah. So all right, that's the backup center conversation. Malik Brown doing a tremendous job. You can't really have any faults with him. Peter Carey and Mooney Urahima, boy you hope one of them can figure it out. You don't love their chances, Benny Williams what do you got right how well can you play the five we're gonna find out because I think he's gonna be doing a lot of it towards the tail end of this season okay let's move on from the center position to Miami as a whole the hurricanes coming off of five coming off a final four berth at 12 and five the same record as Syracuse that's topic number three
0: number three.
1: Jim Boeheim's back in the dome at the head of the Hurricanes. Oh, wait. Sorry, Tyler, That's Jim Laranega. Uh, I apologize. Sorry. All right. You know what? We're going to get that bit out of the way. Yes, they look similar. Yes, Jim is a great coach. And yes, he's coming off his second ever Final Four berth. The last one, Tyler, of course, with George Mason back in 2006. Great coach. Really talented team. One that's kind of cycled through from its Final Four squad a year ago. Returns three starters and. Wugga Poplar in North Shadowmere and in Nigel Pack, but no Jordan Miller, no Zay Wong, who was the ACC Player of the Year last season. They both moved on. So a different looking team, but one that's still certainly dangerous for Syracuse.
0: I mean, there are some solid wins on this season. I mean, that Clemson game was huge out of Miami, yeah, but got blown out by Colorado, mm-hmm. and then you look at the last four games. Overtime loss to a, good a wake mediocre—
1: team. I eh, think they're a good wake. I think it's a potential tournament wake team.
0: Overtime loss to Wake Forest. Then a loss to Louisville. Who's dreadful, who yeah. Who is awful. A four-point win over Virginia Tech. That's
1: an okay Virginia
0: Tech team. And then a loss to a Florida State team that was bad in non-conference, solid yes. in ACC play.
1: Better than we thought, yeah.
0: But over I mean, three out of the last four losses— it's been a rough recent stretch. For it the has games. been. No,
1: it certainly has been. And, you know, it's it's interesting, right, because they've got a lot of talent. They have, again, three starters from a Final Four team. They brought in a couple of freshmen. Keyshawn George, if you don't know his name, I suggest you learn it because he's a true freshman from Switzerland. His dad played college basketball in the same conference, same era as one of Miami's assistant coaches back in the 90s. He is one of the best defenders in the conference already. He's a six-seven guard who can really guard four positions and really, really good player, uh, Keyshawn Georges. So that's one guy they've added. Obviously, listen, Isaiah Wong was their best player. He was their leading scorer as he went, they went a season ago and really the year before that when they went to the Elite Eight. So, again, a different team, but Poplar's taking on a bigger role, Nigel Pack's taking on a bigger role, and Norchad O'Meara's just as good as he was last year. It's still a team that if you look at their record, okay, maybe... Doesn't impress you that much, but if you look at the names on the on the court, if you look at the talent they've got, still very very dangerous.
0: I mean, this is an offense that puts up over eighty points per game, mm-hmm. leads the ACC with a forty nine percent field goal mm-hmm. percentage. A lot of that because of Omir. Yeah, the, the the offense flows very well. The defense is just kind of mediocre, middle of the pack. Mm-hmm. They limit three point shots pretty well, but this is a Syracuse team that wants to drive to the hoop, score inside. Mm -hmm. And that's probably where Miami's biggest weak point has been, which is guarding two-point shots. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, Syracuse certainly has a shot. I believe Ken Palm has Syracuse projected to be, like, a one-point winner or something. So it it should be a close one.
1: No, I think at home this is very evenly matched. I think Syracuse, having that dome advantage, having it be a noon game, I think is probably not ideal because from what I've heard about this team, they prefer to play night games because they like to sleep in. Um, But... You know, everybody's got to play noon games at one point or another. It's it's going to be interesting, especially with students back on campus. It's going to be an orange out tomorrow. So, you know, how much of an, of an effect does that have? I would assume certainly, you know, at least a little bit of one. I'm sure there's going to be a ton of people there. But, you know, I really don't know how to handicap this game. I, I see it. I think I agree with Ken Pom. I really do see it as kind of being, you know, that final five minutes is really going to decide it. I think it's going to be an evenly matched game, and if you're Syracuse and you come out on top, all of a sudden you're over 500 in the ACC, you got a lot of good conference opponents already out of your way, you know, with Florida State coming up, then you got NC State, then it's BC, then it's Wake, then it's Louisville, then it's Clemson. You know, a, a lot of winnable games on the horizon, and if you beat Miami, all of a sudden, why can't you beat Florida State at home? Why can't you beat NC State at home? So, you feel a lot better about yourself with a win tomorrow.
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, this is a game that I wouldn't even say Syracuse has to win. It would be really nice to if make Syracuse the tournament. Won. Do you think that if Syracuse loses this, are you going to say Syracuse is out of tournament? tournament no, conversations? no.
1: But uh, but I would say like if you're losing to Miami at home, how do I have confidence you're beating Florida
0: State? How do I have confidence you're beating NC State?
1: How do I have confidence you're beating Clemson?
0: No, that's a great point. I would also say even if Syracuse ekes out like a solid close win. I'm also not convinced of anything great about this No,
1: absolutely not. But also, remember, Miami's a team that, you know, all of a sudden you thought was going to be ahead of you and now is in range of you when you're looking at the final ACC standings.
0: Yeah. So the big thing with the ACC is that the last two years, only five ACC teams have made the NCAA tournament. Mm -hmm. Again, it looks like a mediocre year ACC-wise. Yep. And so if five teams make it, North Carolina, NC State, Duke, Virginia—all probably ahead of Syracuse. Clemson ahead of Syracuse. Yeah, a few other teams right in that. Virginia Tech's not bad either, right? No, I mean, Florida State's had a heck of an ACC schedule so Mm -hmm. far, five and one. It's just gonna be—it's gonna be tough to break into the tournament. I know we're thinking about this way too early, but not really, I guess. With it's January nineteenth.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: So. It's certainly going to be interesting. I think a win
1: over Miami would go a long way, and then you got a couple more big ones, right, with Florida State and NC State coming up next week. So that's tomorrow's game, Syracuse and Miami, noon tip off inside the dome. We'll have you covered as always at theorangefizz.com. Tyler, that's you, yes? Yes, I will be. Wonderful. I will be there at the game. I can't wait to see you there. All right, that's topic number three. We move on to topic number four. Boy, this Syracuse women's team is really, really good.
0: Number four.
1: Shout-out Cardiac Cuse on the women's side. Two straight games, 15-plus point third-quarter deficits, one against Clemson on Sunday, one against Florida State on Thursday. And, Tyler, both times, not a
0: problem. Uh, well, maybe a little bit of it's a not, problem. Okay, it's, it's, it's not ideal, way. but they won
1: both times, I they, say.
0: they won both times, and Coach Leggett-Jack, after the game, said Syracuse is a 32-minute team. Last uh, You'd year, rather play 40, but yeah. <laughs> last year, Syracuse was a 30-minute team that – played 30 good minutes to start the game and couldn't finish in the fourth quarter. Yeah. And Coach Jack is much happier playing the last 30 minutes well and the first 10 minutes struggling a little bit. I mean, against better teams, which there really aren't many other than Florida State in the conference, this could be a bigger issue. But, hey, I mean, DeAsia Fair, 31 points, program record nine three-pointers. It was a DeAsia show. And I have to give a lot of credit to Syracuse's big, specifically uh, Saniya Wilson and Kyra Wood at halftime, the rebounding margin mm-hmm. was 24 to 10 Oh, jeez. in favor of Florida state. That's not good. And I asked Kyra Wood after the game, I said, what on earth did coach Jack tell you? <laughs> and she was like, I'll just sum it up for you. She didn't, she didn't even want to say the specific words, but it worked. Kyra Wood came out five offensive rebounds in the second half. Saniah Wilson played some really good defense. The team stepped the heck up. Yeah, they did. Oh, my goodness. No, they're,
1: you know, they're such a fun group, too, because it's so obvious they get along with each other, and that starts at the top, because Coach Jack is, I I mean, Tyler, one of the most lovely human beings you'll ever meet, right? She's a, she's a very nice woman, and she's a great basketball coach. So that kind of combination with this group of players it's just brought them together and you can see how much they love each other how much they really want to win how much they care about each other when De'Asia Fair got to 3,000 points on Sunday every single player on that team just could not have possibly been happier for her. and more importantly you know to a human being they would, they would tell you we had to win that game because De'Asia wasn't going to get 3,000 in a loss right? no exactly Th- that's the type of mentality they have that's the type of mentality that come March is going to take you far
0: Coach Jack said after the game as well that this team doesn't just play well, they play fun, and they yeah. have fun, and they enjoy themselves. And in her talks with recruits, that's been a big thing that they've noticed is that Syracuse does play a fun style of ball where Coach Jack trusts these players to make the right play. She's not getting on their case about small mistakes. She believes in them, mm-hmm. and she lets them play however, whatever style they want. And yesterday, that was dish the ball to De'Asia Fair and let her take threes. De'Asia's awesome. I mean, at five, foot five she's going to end up being
1: probably a top-five scorer all time in collegiate women's basketball. Yep. Think about
0: that. There's really only a few that are out of reach. I mean—
1: Caitlin Clark's going to be Clark- ahead of her. Caitlin
0: Clark's like 200 ahead, and she's, she's still playing. Right,
1: she's not going to get to Kelsey Plum. Not going to get the to Kelsey All-time Plum,
0: leader. but other than those two, I mean, something's within range. Do they yeah. count tournament points? They do. Yeah. Syracuse makes a run in the tournament. <laughs> you never know. You never ESPN's know. Charlie Cream, up to, uh, Cream updated his bracket today. Syracuse up to a six seed in that.
1: I'm. I, my guess is they're going to end up higher I, than that. I, I, I think they'll be a five or a four.
0: And if Syracuse is a four, that means hosted games at the Dome. Yeah. Exactly. Which would be which would be great for a team that's 11-0 at home, by the yep. way, including big wins over Notre Dame, big wins over Florida State. You don't want to play Syracuse no. in March if it's at the Dome. No, you don't.
1: And I think if if that were the case, if Syracuse women's basketball was in the NCAA tournament, hosting games, I bet you you fill the lower bowl.
0: You better. There, yeah. there's no. Ex- if you have not been to a game, if you're listening right now and haven't been to a women's game, go. You, please go. do. Yeah. I mean, it's a fun atmosphere. After half the games, Coach Jack comes on the PA and thanks everybody for coming. It's a really fun environment. It's a fun team to watch. And by the way, tickets are a lot cheaper than the men's games, That's $15 general admission. You can go up as far as you want. And that's in the lower bowl, $15. Yeah. Yeah. No, I will say it's been a – it's a dramatic increase in what it used to be. I remember going to kids' games as a little kid and – I mean, you could literally walk up, sit right on the court, and nobody would care. Yeah. Like that's how empty it was. So it's certainly gotten better, but I mean, I'd rather go to a women's game than a men's game at times with how the men's yeah. team's been playing. No,
1: I mean it's 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 a fun team. They're a great group of people. Coach Jack is awesome. Um, you know they've been asking for support for a while, and they're finally starting to get it. And you know, I don't necessarily blame you know Syracuse fans for maybe being a little hesitant based off of. You know, what happened with Quinton Hillsman, the Von Reed experience, how these last few years have gone, but you've got a team now that you can be proud of and that you can root for and that's going to win a lot of games and that, you know, could make a serious run in the NCAA tournament this year. So have some fun when they go to the games, bring the kids, enjoy it. I promise you, you're going to have some fun.
0: Absolutely. Speaking of fun, pretty sure we have a a fun question to debate for topic number five, no?
1: I I think we do, and it comes from somebody near and dear to your heart. Who's going to have the better coaching career at Syracuse? Adrian Autry or Fran Brown? It's a bit of an odd question, admittedly so, but we're going to talk about it, and it's topic number five.
0: Number five.
1: So, Tyler, do you want to share the genesis of where this question came from?
0: Sure, we, we can share the genesis of this. So, I was on W.A.R.'s double overtime. Yes. We have a new text line if you want to call or text into the double overtime. We always appreciate it. But got a text right after the North Carolina game. Uh, Joe from Manlius, who asked – Shout out Joe. Shout out Joe from Manlius, who will have a better coaching career at Syracuse, Adrian Autry or Fran Brown? And after Syracuse lost by 30 to North Carolina, I was in no mood to answer that question. (laughs) So we're going to do it now.
1: So we're going to do it now. Okay, sounds good. I like that. It's an impossible question to answer, right? Because Fran Brown has never been a head coach at any level in his life. So we have no idea how good he is. And Adrian Autry's been a head coach for 17 games. I still have no idea how good of a coach he is, right? If I had to guess, I'm going to say Autry, just because it's Syracuse basketball and Syracuse football still has a stench around it. But I I don't say that with any confidence, though.
0: Uh, Here's the thing. By Fran Brown's own admission, he said he will not leave Syracuse, stay here for 10 years, and then retire (laughs) So I don't best don't, case scenario I don't you, really believe that to be I don't Autry. believe that either. I could see him leaving. But you also, like best case scenario, you get him for 10 years by sure. his own admission.
1: Sure.
0: Adrian Autry's not leaving Syracuse.
1: He could be here for 25 years if he wanted
0: to. Exactly. So if he's good enough to. Just based on length of career, Adrian Autry has the advantage there. Program history and program strength. I mean, understand the transfer portal's been great for the football team, still have to prove it on the field, still have a lot of factors to overcome. Who knows what the ACC is going to look like? Like, Syracuse basketball would be fine in whatever conference. Right. If Syracuse football gets left out of whatever realignment Mm. comes up, then all of a sudden the football team turns into, like, UConn.
1: Well, that's the thing is a great point right there because say the ACC dissolves, right, which at some point I would guess in the next decade to 15 years is going to happen. Syracuse basketball, you know, its lifeline is the Big East, right? If all else fails, it'll end up back in the Big East, and it'll be fine. People will be thrilled about it, right? Syracuse football, I mean, they could be in the doldrums. Who knows where they're going to be? Are they going to be in the American? Are they going to be an independent? What's going to happen to them,
0: right? Because who's going to want them? That makes recruiting hard. That makes funding hard with TV deals. I mean, there's just so many variables with the football team. I mean, I guess maybe you could argue – Football under Brown has the higher ceiling. I, I don't think so. Though. That's not even true either. I, I think it would just feel like, even if Fran Brown has one year of solid of a, like yeah. a ten win season, just because of how bad the football team's been over the last few decades, it'll feel better. Correct. Like that's the thing when Syracuse makes the tournament, even after a you know down ten years, it's more of like a sigh of relief than right. it is genuine excitement. Right. If Syracuse football makes a 12-team college football playoff,
1: oh my goodness! Oh my,
0: I, yeah. I mean Marshall Street might burn up. Like <laughs> what? I, I I don't know how Syracuse would react. So, I I think we have to go Autry.
1: I agree, but it, it, you are right though. The the standard for
0: Fran Brown, the bar he's got to clear is really low. It is though. I will say some Syracuse fans are turning that raising that bar a little too early. Yes. I understand Syracuse has brought in a lot of great recruits, but it is dangerous to have all these high expectations. When you've got a first year head coach have to meld all these players together in a cohesive offense. You have to like, there's just so many factors. Give him some time. Mm -hmm. I would say give him to his third year to make any judgments because Mm -hmm. first year is the first year. Second year might be the hardest schedule in Syracuse football history. Mm Mm-hmm. Then the third year is finally when he should be settled mm-hmm. and have maybe his first set of recruits, high school recruits, actually mm-hmm. getting minutes. But, yeah, no, I mean, it would be great if Brown would be better than Autry, but I do have a little bit more faith in Autry. That's probably a lot of a lot due to Beheim's credibility that he imparted mm-hmm. onto him. But And also,
1: Autry's got the structure for him, right? He's still got GMAC. He's still got Alan Griffin. And I'm a big fan of Brendan Strong. So I think his coaching staff is really, really good.
0: And it's
1: also, you know, three of the four of them have been here for
0: half a decade plus, right? You're telling me the uh, New York Giants running backs coach doesn't
1: do anything for you? Doesn't move the needle? Listen, he might be terrific. I have no idea. But, you know, they, they, they have no familiarity with each other. It's a completely new group. Whereas Syracuse basketball, it's kind of, you know... To borrow a phrase from Dino Babers, La Familia Ohana for the last however many years. It's kind of just continuing. Yeah,
0: you're absolutely right. Yeah. So, we're both going Autry. We're both going Autry. That's the answer.
1: Adrian Autry will have a better career at Syracuse than Fran Brown. Although, who knows, right? Can I
0: throw in a very quick curveball? You're going to kill a trainer? Where does Felicia get Jack? Oh, Felicia get
1: Jack? Okay. Um,
0: hmm. I might put her one.
1: Wow, that's a good I mean based off how she started. Yeah. Yeah, she could be, right? And she, she only be. has
0: like one top 100 recruit mm. on the team so far, which is yeah. Latham. Two coming She's in next year. In two yeah. next year going to be four the year after that. Yeah. I mean,
1: she could be. She could be. You're yeah. right. All right. Well, that's Fizz 5 on this what is this, the third week of January? Yes. All right. Syracuse basketball 12 and 5, 3 and 3 in the ACC. Chance to really you know, get itself a nice little win tomorrow against Miami. We'll see if it happens. That's 12 noon in the Dome for tip-off. Tyler will be there for Orange Fizz. Tyler, give a quick prediction. Why don't you?
0: <sighs> I'm going to go Miami 77. Okay. Syracuse 79. I'll go Okay. 2-point two two point win. win.
1: All right. Well, if that's the case, it'll certainly be an exciting one. he will have it all over Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it, at Orange Fizz. Or theorangefizz.net. You'll have a Twitter space and all of it after the game as well. And I might even hop on it after the game. You should. It's... I, I think, think
0: Ethan is as well.
1: I think, I'm sure he will be. All right. That's Fizz 5 for this January 19th. Thanks so much for joining us. As always, check out all our content at orangefizz.org. And as always, go orange.
0: And that's your Fizz 5. Listen next week. Subscribe, rate, and review. This has been an Orange Fizz production.